0: If you ask a wonky, theologically inclined, Reformed Christian, what makes her faith different from that of a Roman Catholic, she might point to the so-called five solas. The five solas are five Latin phrases or slogans that emerged during the time of the Reformation which characterized the Reformed understanding of their differences with the Roman Church. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Sola Fide, Faith alone. Sola gratia Grace alone. Sola Christus, Christ alone. And Soli Deo Gloria, to the glory of God alone. Now, you might have thought that since the Reformers were so hot on getting rid of Latin and translating everything into the language of the people, that we would talk about the five alones and not the five solas, which only goes to show that the Reformation has not been completed. But whatever language you use, one thing is clear. Protestants and Roman Catholics do have different ideas about how we're saved. Some people characterize this difference crudely by saying that Catholics believe in salvation by works while the Protestants believe in salvation by faith alone. That's sort of right, but not really. Protestants accuse Catholics of thinking that they can earn their way into heaven by meritorious good works. Protestants accuse Catholics of thinking that if their meritorious good works outweigh their sinful bad works, that they'll make it into heaven. St. Peter at the pearly gates is like an accountant who runs your tab and finds out if your good deeds outnumber your sins. St. Peter at the pearly gates is like a bouncer at an upscale nightclub who checks out your clothes, who checks out your look and sees if you're cool enough to let you in the door. That's sort of the Catholic position, but not really. The Catholic Church does teach, and this was formalized at the Council of Trent beginning in 1545, that both God's grace and our faith are required for our salvation. The church teaches that faith is required to receive God's grace and it teaches that by God's grace our character is sanctified or changed for the better so that we begin to behave in a way that is meritorious, that's deserving of heaven. In other words, by faith we receive God's grace and that grace enables us to perform good deeds and if we do enough good deeds we go to heaven. So Catholics do believe that we are saved by doing good things. Catholics believe that heaven is God's reward for our good behavior, but they also believe that the ability to do good things comes to us by God's grace, which we receive through faith. Now, one of the consequences of this view, and one of the things that makes Catholics and Protestants look at each other with mutual incomprehension is that the Catholic Church also teaches that it is not possible for any individual to know for certain whether or not they will go to heaven. Well, I should say, except in some exceptional circumstances. When Protestants ask Catholics If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? The correct Catholic answer is, I hope so. And Protestants find that answer very perplexing because they've understood their trip to heaven as being dependent on their faith alone while Catholics understand their trip to heaven to be paid for by the good works that have been accomplished in this life. And the exact number of good works needed to get into heaven is never made exactly clear. Canon 16 of the Council of Trent states the position of the church. It says, if anyone saith that he will for certain of an absolute infallible certainty have that great gift of perseverance unto the end, unless he have, has learned this by special revelation, let him be anathema. So so on the doctrine of the assurance of salvation, Protestants and Catholics part company. And this is the result of a different understanding of why it is that we go to heaven. Catholics can have hope that they're going to heaven, but they can't be certain. And so Catholics are sometimes surprised by Protestants who walk around so cocksure that they're heaven bound. Now, on the other side of the coin, Catholics accuse Protestants of saying that good works don't mean anything. That if you have faith, that if you've walked down the aisle at a Billy Graham crusade, you can live like the devil for the rest of your life and still get to heaven. And that's kind of true, but not really. Protestants do teach that we are saved by God's grace, which we receive through faith, and that our salvation has nothing to do with our good works or our merit. Protestants do not believe that heaven is God's reward for our good lives. I think Protestants have a gloomier view of human nature than Catholics do. We Protestants, or at minimum we Calvinists, certainly don't think anyone is good enough that God owes us heaven. But Protestants also believe that anyone who has saving faith will produce good works that reflect God's righteousness and conform to God's law. We also believe that people who were born again, Christians who have had a saving faith, will show evidence of that in how they live their lives. We believe that because of what James, the brother of Jesus, writes for us in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20. Listen to this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith but I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? So anyone who has faith, true faith, saving faith, will produce good and Uh, good works in this life. And true and saving faith doesn't mean simply believing that God exists because even the demons in hell believe that God exists. True faith, saving faith, is a faith that causes us to actually follow Christ. And that's a matter of how we live our lives. That passage from James, however, we balance with what we read also in Paul. For example, Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it is a gift from God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Paul says that we are saved by grace through faith and not by works. And to that we say, Amen. And James, the brother of Jesus, asks, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have work? Can that faith save him? That, of course, is a rhetorical question, and we firmly reply, absolutely not. Faith without works is dead, and dead faith never saved anyone. So here is how I would phrase the fundamental question, the big question. Is heaven a gift, or is heaven our due? Is heaven a present, a handout? Or is it something that we earn or buy? Is heaven a gift or is heaven our due? That's the question that Paul answers in the section of the book of Romans that we read this morning. Or that Sam read for us this morning. But before we look for the answer to that big question, I want to clarify two issues regarding two key terms that show up in the passage that Sam read for us this morning. These are terms that we will run into time and again. Uh, throughout the book of Romans. The key terms are justify, which is a verb, and righteousness, which is a noun. In our passage, that verb shows up in verse 2 as justified, and in verse 5 as justifies. And the noun righteousness shows up six times scattered throughout this passage. But here's the first important thing to understand. All of these words come from the very same Greek word, dikaiosune. So when you read justified, think made righteous or made right. Another translation you could use, perfectly valid, would be to replace the word righteousness with just. Uh, to re- replace the word righteous with just and the word righteousness with justice. That actually works very well because then to be justified means to be made just. And those who are justified are those people who displayed justice, which is a more elegant translation really. So keep that connection in your mind between righteousness and justice always uh, as we're reading our way through the book of Romans. The second important thing to know is that this dikaiosune, this righteousness, this justice, is the requirement... For getting into heaven. If you want to go to heaven, you're going to need Dikayo Sune. is the ticket to heaven. Heaven is the home of the righteous. Heaven is the abode of the just. So back to the big question. Is heaven a gift? Or is heaven our due? Paul answers this question by appealing to Father Abraham. In the biblical tradition, Abraham is the epitome of faith. He is the father of faith. You all remember the story of Abraham and Sarah. At first their names were Abram and Sarai. God called Abram to leave the land of his fathers and to venture into an unknown land. And he promised to make him into a great nation. In the passage that we read this morning from Genesis 15, Abram is living already in the promised land. He's grown very rich. He has many animals. He has a household with many servants. In Genesis chapter 14, we have the story of Abraham raising from his household an army of 316 men to go rescue his nephew Lot. From that we can see that Abraham is rich and powerful. He's a nomadic king, you might say. He's the head of a small nation, but he has no son of his own. In chapter 15, God comes to Abraham in a vision and he tells him that he will have a child of his own. But it isn't until Abram is a 100 years old and his wife is 90 years old that that child comes. And in Genesis 15, 6 we read, And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. Paul quotes that passage in Romans 4, 3 where he writes, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That There's our key term dikaiosune. There is Abraham's ticket to heaven. Last week we talked about how the whole world embraces the Hindu idea of karma and how the gospel is the exact opposite of karma. Karma is the idea that people get what they deserve. If you do good you're rewarded. If you do evil, you're punished. It's how we raise our kids. It's how we run our schools. It's how we operate the workplace. It's how we organize our legal systems. It's even how we sometimes conduct our intimate relationships. Karma. It's a system of justice in which everyone gets their due. But Paul's point in looking at the story of Abraham is that Abraham isn't Counted righteous by God. Abraham isn't justified by God because of anything that he's done. According to scripture, Abraham is counted as righteous by God simply because Abraham believed God. Paul says in verse 2, if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about. But Paul tells us that Abraham had nothing to boast about before God. Paul then offers the contrast between wages and gifts. If you receive a sum of money, it might be your paycheck or it might be a gift. If you receive a check in the mail, it might be something that is owed to you or it might be a favor. I've been listening to an audio book at home, Thomas Pynchon's uh, Bleeding Edge, And it's on 17 CDs to get through this whole book. And I was about 13 CDs through this thing when I lost the box containing all of the CDs. And I kept thinking, okay, this thing's going to show up. I'll find it. You know, I'm not going to fret about it. But then I wanted to finish the book. And I had a little free time. And I wanted to sit down and listen to it. But I couldn't find those discs anywhere. And so I said to my daughter, Mia, I'll give you five bucks. If you find those CDs and about a half an hour later, she found them. And then she asked for her money. She demanded her money because it was her due. She had earned it. I owed it to her. She had every right to tell me to cough up the dough on Friday night. One of her friends from Valley Christian School spent the night at our house and on Saturday morning Mia wanted to go to the grocery store to spend her money on candy. And she was very proud of the fact that she had five dollars to spend and she could spend it any way she wanted. Regarding money that we have earned, it makes sense for us to be proud. We can boast about our labors and take credit for a job well done. Those who have earned their money honestly have a right to be proud. But regarding money that is given to me as a gift, with that it makes no sense for me to boast. In fact, a gift humbles me and puts me in that other person's debt. When someone gives me a gift, all I can say is, thank you very much, you're very kind. Because it's not something that I did or that I accomplished, unlike the wages of my honest labor. While I might be proud of the money I earn, I am humbled by the gift I receive. There's a fundamental difference between these two things. So back to the big question. Is heaven a gift? Or is heaven our due? Is heaven a favor? Or is heaven something that I have owned? If heaven is something that I have earned, that I have earned, then I have every right to be proud that I'm on my way to heaven. It's a reward for my good work. But if heaven's a gift, then all I can do is humbly say, thank you very much. You're very kind. I didn't deserve this generosity. Paul ties these two ideas together in verse 5 where he writes, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Righteousness, justice, dikaiosune is God's requirement for us to see heaven. In theory, we could live righteous lives, we could live just lives, and then God would uh, welcome us into heaven as our due as our wages. And we could have earned our ticket to heaven, but the reality that we have to deal with as fallen humans is that none of us are righteous. Not one, according to scripture. The reality that we have to face is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which is what the Bible teaches. And so if anyone is going to see heaven and the ticket price for heaven is sune, righteousness, justice, then God is going to have to figure out another way for us to get that ticket price. And so it is God who, as Paul writes in verse 5, justifies or makes right the ungodly. It is God who justifies the one who does not work. Ouch. Have you ever been called ungodly before? Have you ever been described as someone who doesn't work? Well, if you're a born-again believer, that's what Paul just said about you here in Romans 4.3. It's a humbling position to be someone who has not worked for what they have. All we can say is that we're blessed and that we've been given favor by God. We can't claim that it's our due, that it's our wages that we've earned. We can't be proud of what we have as Christians. Not if I understand that I haven't gotten those things by my own efforts. Now, not only are we people who do not work, we also are ungodly. That's what Paul says about us. But thanks be to God... God in His mercy justifies the ungodly. God in His mercy justifies those who haven't worked, at least when they have faith in Him. Abraham is called the father of faith. He's the patriarch that we look back to as a model of steadfast trust in God. He wasn't a perfect man. He wasn't more holy than other people living at that time. What set him apart was his unwavering trust in God. God counted that trust as righteousness. That's the good news. Paul quotes a Psalm of David which says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. When we tell the truth about ourselves, we have to admit that we are a lawless and sinful people. If I think otherwise, then I'm either dishonest or deceived. That's what 1 John 1.8 tells us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. So what we don't want is to be paid what we've earned. What we don't want is to receive our wages. What we do want, however, is God's free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. If you place your faith in Jesus, if you commit yourself... To a lifelong discipleship, your lawless deeds will be forgiven and your sins will be covered. Your faith in Jesus, not your good works, will be credited to you as righteousness, as dikaiosune. And that righteousness will be for you your ticket to heaven. I know there's more honor in earning wages than in receiving a gift. But since you can't earn what you need, maybe it's time for us to be humble and allow God to give us what we can't earn ourselves. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Can you replace Abraham's name with your own name in that sentence? Dan Morrison believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Have you believed God? Has your belief in God been counted to you as righteousness? You can do that, and you can do that today. Let us pray. Father God, we do honor you, and we adore you, and we recognize that you are our maker, our creator. You are our savior. You have loved us dearly, and you have given us what we couldn't produce ourselves. And so, Lord, we ask this morning for saving faith for the faith to trust in Jesus for our righteousness. We ask for faith that will bear fruit and good works in our lives so that people would honor and praise you because you alone are worthy. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.